on this special full swing episode three edition of big drive energy they feature ian poulter and really start to talk about the live tour a lot uh it's kind of mentioned in most of the episodes of course but episode three is where they really hop into it they show the first event they show some of the interviews with the players and talk to Poulter about what it means to be moving to the live tour for a guy that's uh, such a Ryder cup Stan. And this is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, the great friends over at pins and aces. We've got a watch party coming up here that you're all going to want to keep your eyes on. If you're in the Denver area for some tournament called the Maesters. Uh, I don't know. Some, some event in April that they give out like a jacket when you win. (laughs) The red jacket. Yeah. The, um, the masters is coming up here in April and we're going to have a pretty cool event here for you guys at the DNVR bar. So make sure you're marking your calendars for that masters Saturday, come out, hang out with us, watch the masters pins and aces is, um, going to be heavily involved with that to what extent we don't exactly know. Can't release yet, but they will be. And they're a great company, uh, best golf polos in the game. They just released the new Yeti collection, which is fire. Uh, they they're almost already out of that stuff. So make sure you're, uh, you're getting to pins and Use our promo code BDE. That'll save you 15% off of a polo or hat or jacket or head cover. There's so many awesome options. I can go on there all day and just like, it's like, you can only have one head cover, but they, they have the sickest ones. So check out pins and promo code BDE save you 15% off. All right, let's tee it up. Hello, friends. Welcome to this tradition unlike any. Somebody scream mashed potatoes? That was mashed. <laughs> Episode number three. Ian Poulter and his family. Uh, what a life these players live. <laughs> That's kind of ironic. What a life these players live to her. Um, but no, just the families and the lives. Mitchell, welcome in. What uh what are some takeaways you had? It was mostly Ian Poulter focused. A couple of the first episodes, they've gone one guy and then kind of related into another, but mostly just talking about the the king of the ride a cup, if you will. And uh, just a guy that dominates match play and has had a great golf career into his, I believe they said he's 46 years old. So getting up there. Yeah, I I've talked about this on the pod. If you've listened you'll know that I'm kind of an Ian Poulter fan. I'm actually a pretty big Ian Poulter fan. Uh, And I feel like that's not that well received here in America, but I grew up watching the European tour a lot as, um, as I was really getting into golf, like in high school. And so I would turn on golf every morning and the European tour was televised Thursday through Sunday, like early morning, eight o'clock to like 11 o'clock. So I was always watching that. And Poulter was one of my favorite guys to watch. 
And so this episode actually was kind of like almost cemented how I feel about the guy. I just, I really do like him. Um, even mom texted me. I don't, did she text you? She's been watching the show and she goes, wow, Ian Poulter seems like a really, really good dude. And I really like, like just him and his wife seem like they're really cool people or something like that. She texted me like last week about it. Um, but I was kind of shocked that she would think that. I don't know why, I guess, because everybody, I have this vision that everyone in America just hates him because of what he's done in the Ryder Cup uh, to America and his attitude a lot of the time. Uh, and I think a lot of Americans just think a lot of the British players are like snobs. Would you agree with that? Because I, I don't really like they just maybe the way they carry themselves and the way they sound like uh, I, I don't know if it it makes them come off as douchebags or what. But. Well, I was thinking personally the exact opposite, like I wish I talked like everyone from England, like hearing Matt Fitzpatrick talk, hearing Poulter talk, just this, the terms they use on the golf course are just incredible. Um, and they all seem like way nicer to me, but in the golf world, I feel like if you kind of feel like somebody's a douche, then you're, that's not going away quickly at all. Yeah. Once you're a douche, there's really like, no turning it around. It's just kind of something you have to own for forever. But I, I would agree with you where uh, Poulter just has like a, a very uh, proper way of saying things like a lot of English people just speak more proper and formal. And what did he say when he hit that, um, uh, that shot at, in the match play? He's like, you rotten hog or like you fat pig or something like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. You dirty rotten swine or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Some shit like that, which was fucking awesome. Um, that was really good. So yeah, the way they, they talk in general is I just love it. I think it's great. Um, a few things that I wrote in my notes, um, him and Pat Perez and Johnny Vegas really wasn't a part of the conversation, but just them, speaking on um how many followers all these guys had on social media and like it comes kind of to be a a a selling point i think for ian poulter joining live like he's like i have a great social media following so he feels like he can reach a fair amount of people and it just blows my mind that like even for us you know being in the podcasting game being in tiktoks and do growing that kind of brand it blows my mind that you're, you're just more attractive to businesses and, and people by how many people follow you on social media. You know what I mean? I, I, that just still blows my mind that that's like a, a money and it makes sense, but it's, it's like a money-based thing where uh, Poulter's concerned about how many followers he has on Instagram and, and Twitter when he's going to the live tour, because obviously he's going to be pushing the live tour. So I thought that was funny. And, and Pat Perez is like, I'm just on Instagram and Pat Perez. You can kind of tell from the very beginning, a lot of the guys that went over to live are very similar to Pat Perez. Like they've grinded on the PGA tour for 15, 20 years. And like Poulter, for example, they said he'd made $33 million on uh, the PGA tour. I think he's made more than that. Um, I don't think that was European tour and PGA tour combined. I think that was, 
uh, just PGA Tour. I could be wrong, but I think he's made a little bit more than that. Um, I would guess somewhere in the $50 million range. But the fact that Liv, I mean, it's still crazy just with the amount of money Liv was throwing around. Like, you'd be a fool to turn that shit down. I'm sorry. Like, $50 million when you're on the back end of your career trying to grind out PJ, like, make cuts. And clearly, Poulter's game had struggled there for a minute with him missing all the cuts in the uh, the show that he was the, the episode he was featured on. So you can tell his game isn't in really good shape. And I just, I, I don't really knock the dude for doing it. It's a just smart play in my opinion. Yeah. Well, you know, they obviously 95% of the reason all of them left was for money. Um, but that other 5% and this is just a complete guess um, in the percentage or percentiles for me. But when you hear Poulter in the episode talk about, you know, all the things he's missed of his four kids, I wonder like if there was a graph that you could say, or even if any player just like what the number was for them, you know, in order to leave the PGA tour, because let's face it, obviously the live tour is more money, less time. We, we all, everybody in the entire planet wishes they had more money and less time at work, you know, but the, the, the idea that it's just strictly for the money for a lot of these players when they play what I think 14 events this year, they have to play in all of them. So that's kind of a, a little bit of a, a different strategy from live. Obviously they don't have enough events where, and they're paying them that much money. They want them to play. There's no load management on the live tour, but the idea that like these players kind of can't, like plan their own schedules, you know, the, the PGA tour is basically like, Hey, here's an, here's an event basically every other weekend or every, every weekend, excuse me, with a few random majors in there. And you really want to play in those. Um, and you know, like this week they've got two tournaments essentially. And so there's a lot of events out there for PGA tour players to make their own schedule, but it's, it's a risk reward of, Hey, if you can win or take a couple of top fives, you can continue to play in these, but if you don't play in enough of them, you're out. And so live is the opposite where it's like, you have to play in all of these, but we're going to have a lot less. And it's also one less day. So I wonder, you know, what the number was for a lot of these guys where, you know, you have a mix of guys that have families like Poulter, and then you have a mix of younger players that are just up and coming stars that don't want to even that don't even go on the PGA tour. They end up going straight to live. So there's got to be a number in there for like the family men, essentially. And I just would be curious to see, you know, what that looks like. Yeah, absolutely. I think time is definitely a big factor. It'd be like if a football league started where all these top guys could still go get $30 million a year, but they played in 10 games instead of 17. Like they, they're going to choose that every time strictly based off of, you know, weeks of commitment versus money. So it, from that perspective, it makes complete sense uh, for them. And even now we'll talk about it. This isn't a full podcast, full episode of big drive energy, just to recap, but uh, the PJ tour actually came out today and said they were going to have 10 to 12, limited field events for the top players next year with no cut. So, and now we've got all these live tours. We had Ian Poulter, we had Lee Westwood all over social media, actually Ian Poulter. Um, let me find this tweet real quick. Cause he just tweeted 
uh, after the news came out about the PJ tour having no cut events. Um, it's a graphic. It's a quote that says imitation is not just the, the sincerest form of flattery. It's the sincerest form of learning. So like, it seems like as much as the PJ tour wanted to put their foot in the ground and be like, we're, this is how we've been doing it for this long and it's worked. So we're going to keep doing it. Now they've done pretty much a 180 from that point. And they understand that these top guys in the world need guaranteed money at some level or another in order to show up and participate. You know what I mean? So I, I think that is a coup for the, the live guys like Phil Mickelson. That is what the first thing he said when you go back to his press conference about um, or his quote quotations about why he wanted to be involved in live. And obviously the human rights stuff aside, he said, I want to do it because I want to change the way the PJ tour operates. So like they are literally the live has their hands now directly affecting the PGA tour. And I think that's, that's pretty wild. Yeah. And I think in reality, you know, I think the money is a giant shade over all of this in the fact that like every player's the reason when they're leaving, it's like, Hey, this guy is getting offered this amount to play on the PGA tour. But I really do think guys like Phil, maybe even Poulter, other guys that just were kind of fed up with the way the tour was run are just almost sacrificial lambs in the, in the circumstances of, Hey, we know that this is going to create a better league for, you know, Poulter could be thinking about his own kid for all he know, you know, his kid seems to be pretty good player seems to be like, he's, you know, on the track or at least wants to be a professional player and they want to leave the league a better place, the PGA tour, a better place than, it then they found it or then they kind of got you know worked into the grind of of over 20 plus year careers and you know like i said money is the mask of all of that but it's it's a mask on both sides because the live tours masking all this money that they have to get you know good pub with golf and all these players it's it's just a whole you know giant clusterfuck for lack of a better term based around money but there's if you you know peel back the the layers of the golf onion the live golf onion there's a lot more to it for a lot of these players less time um let you know less strain on your body you know when you're starting every day one thing uh mitchell and i are actually going to a live event uh, we booked our tickets today uh for the uh, live event at broken arrow in oklahoma so we're going to be down there at that which will be a blast uh, and if we get to ask a question, our media passes are still pending. So we'll check on that. I'm pretty sure we'll get some pretty easily. But the 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 one question that would be fun to ask the, the live tour players is like, is there really a distinct, do you think there's a distinct advantage for your just your play on the golf course, not having a difference in time? Because we've been seeing these some wacky ass, like, let me go off on the PGA tour for just a second and then I'll get back to, we'll get back to Poulter, but. Dude, every Thursday, Friday, these fucking guys, and it's not necessarily the PGA Tour. It's it's probably a mix of both the guys and the the rules officials and how it's run. But these guys can't fucking finish, and they're fucking every Thursday's bleeding into Friday. Every Friday's bleeding into Saturday. Now it's like, dude, we've been doing this for years. It's the same fucking players. It's the same amount of players. It's not like all of a sudden there's two hundred guys in these events, and the guys are having to finish fucking holes on Saturday, Sunday. And they're, you know, they're playing two holes on a Saturday or withdrawing because they don't, they're not going to make the cut in two holes. 
And it's just kind of becoming a fucking joke with pace of play. Relating that back to Poulter off my high horse. Um, it was hilarious in the episode when he was fucking yelling, come on on 17 at yeah. the players. Like I want to know so bad who he, who he was yelling. And I was trying to find like the tea times, but I also don't know what day it was. So I looked at some of the tea times and kind of guessed at some of the guys that might be in front of him. But overall, that was a pretty funny part of the episode. And then it relates him to saying he needs to go on a diet. He looks like Nelly the elephant. I look like Nelly the elephant. Um, yeah, he uh, him running was hilarious. And why did his caddy not hand him the putter so his caddy didn't have to follow him and run? I'd be like, here's your putter. Fucking go run and hit it. I'll meet you up there by the time you get done putting. So I can I don't have to sprint with a fucking staff bag. I mean, I know the guys are making good money to carry a golf bag around, but I'd be like, fuck that. Uh, But actually, then then Poulter made a comment about how he hasn't really matured. And that's part of the reason I like him, too. Like he's got that. and, And maybe people will disagree because he did go to live and they're calling a lot of those guys like Dustin Johnson and. A name that hasn't really come up about going to live is like Louis Eustazen, where I don't think it was that big of a deal for him. But a, a lot of those guys that did go to live, their passion for the game has been questioned. And for Poulter, like, I don't that is one thing I love and respect about him is I don't think there's a do if if you could question a million dudes on tour with their their passion or lack thereof. I, I don't think that's something that you can bring into play with Poulter because that dude lays it out on the line all the time. And he's been a grinder since he started. And he, he still just has that that childlike uh, passion. I keep saying passion a million fucking times, but that's what he brings to the golf course, which I love. And just his commentary on the course and like he hates losing no matter how old he gets. You saw how pissed off he was to lose to Matt Fitzpatrick, who would kind of a cool moment. Matt was like, yeah, I looked up to Ian Poulter growing up, you know, kind of like playing against those guys you watched on TV as a kid and then beating them. Um, But Poulter was pissed. Like, I don't know if you heard Matt Fitzpatrick go, he almost broke my hand after they shook hands um, after the match. I mean, Poulter does not like losing. And that's, that's something I love about the guy. Yeah. His, his passion. (laughs) Now you got me fucking saying it. Yeah. No, but yeah, just his overall love for the game and the way he acts around the game is I think it's actually getting into, won't spoil the next episode recap, but getting into the next episode, it's kind of like refreshing when these guys kind of just enjoy playing golf versus like being these nerdy, douchey grinders that are like, oh, I just, the you know, the Bryson DeChambeau's essentially of the world where these guys are kind of like, you know, they're really good at golf, but Poulter also just like, they they're just, it humanizes all these PGA tour players so much more. That's why the show is so good. Um, and the, and the next episode's even better, you know, maybe one of the favorites, if not the favorite for the best episode, 100%. But just overall hearing him talk about how he, you know, how he went with his dad as a kid and they slept in the car to get in the queue for a tea time. Like just the way golf is looked at in England and it's changing in the entire world in general, but like, when golf was really becoming big and then in England and Scotland and other areas of the world, just such a different game. And I, you know, I'm not jealous of necessarily not growing up in America. That'd be one of the most fucked up things you could say, I think, because overall America is pretty good, but like 
being like a golf nerd and like when we were like 12 to 17 we were just immersed in it like being in england would have been so sick like it just feels like it's just feels like it's looked at differently there for sure i i agree there's a different sort of like passion and respect around the game i think it's kind of along the same lines as soccer like i actually get fomo like watching people how much they enjoy soccer and are into soccer over in england because like i want that and i don't know if they look at americans like that like with with American football and shit like that. Um, but yeah, there's just a different like level of respect and uh, history that's attached to the game. Um, kind of along the same lines of what we were just talking about when they showed the first live event and they played like that corny rap song about like all about the money. And they're just like trying to make these guys look so cool. And it's like making golfers trying to look cool is just like, it's hard. Like golf is not naturally a cool looking sport. Like it's, it's very hard to look cool and be really good at the same time. So it's just like, it feel felt a little force. Like, I, I don't know. I've just never really seen even like tiger. I mean, you'd probably call him the coolest golfer ever. Or, or I mean, John Daly, but there's just, there's maybe a handful of guys where you're like that dude fucks. Like he's cool as shit. And he plays on the PJ tour and he makes golf look cool. Um, cause a lot of the guys just don't golf is not like a cool, cool sport. It, it's not something that you can really personalize like in basketball, you know, their guys have their personal games and you know, uh, uh what's that Shaq quote? I'm un- I was unfamiliar with his game. Um, like guys have their own kind of personal games and how they play, but with, with golf, there's only so many ways to do it. So you really can't personalize you know how you play the game of golf relatively speaking um i guess with clothes and things like that you can but so many dudes dress just so blah and lame and i guess that's a pretty good segue talking about polter's outfits uh i personally loved like all the tartan pants back in the day although when when he was at the austin match play and the announcer he had like a pink and blue like get up on and the announcer goes, he looks like a walking gender reveal. I was like, that's pretty fucking funny. Like it was a perfect like baby blue and like pink for the gender reveal. But even those pants are sick. Like I might be in the minority to think that, but I like those outfits. Like I get so sick of the fucking old school, like tan pants and white shirt, you know, navy blue pants. I, like that shit just gets old to me. And maybe that's why we're such big fans of pins and aces, a uh, little plug, but they just have cool, unique shit like that's more of the direction golf setting. So I think Poulter was like a little bit of his time with the, uh, with the Tartans. Yeah. He was a legend with how he dressed and kind of one of those guys that just continued to do it. And you'd always be like, it was like an interesting thing. You'd see him on the golf course on a Thursday and Friday and be like, Hey, um, you know, we, Oh shit. Like, this guy's dressed differently relating back to your comment though, about trying to make golf cool. A couple of things on what you said, first of all, uh, Oh oh, man. Okay. Trying to make golf cool. I was, yeah, you, I I had something and then it just decided to leave me. Um, but as far as making golf cool, like I was at Landau performance today, shout out coach, 
coach Davis Brendel had me working on the, the TPI and we were doing some stuff, but I'm over here like fucking doing golf movements. And I got fucking Randy Gregory to the right of me, like pushing a sled. And I'm like, uh, like, you know, you just feel like you, I was like, Oh God, like I look like I'm swinging a fucking PVC pipe over here. And it just like, it's hard to be cool, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I kept telling myself, like, I'm the best player. I'm the best golfer here. Like that, you know, there's NFL athletes, there's, there's college out, there's, there's a bunch of guys getting ready for the combine and training camps and, um, getting ready for their pro days. And I'm over here, like checking out a PVC pipe. Um, but it, I just like it, it's so true. Cause that was, that hit home for me today. So hard. I was like, oh yeah, I'm here for fucking here for golf. And, and I'm stoked to get to work with Davis, man. Like, seeing this this we use this technology where you can see how much power you have like twisting right twisting left um and so i'm excited to uh have a benchmark for where i started and and work with him every single week and do some workouts and try to get that power up definitely um my weight is up so that was curious not curious at all i understand but i was i looked at the scale and i was like holy shit does davis Um, make you get on a scale no, it, the, the machine that we were using, like it gives you, it gives you the power numbers as far as like, it tests, like literally like you do different power drills and it like tells you it was more like testing, but it, it gives you like percentiles of where you fit and like, you know, other people that have done it by age, by weight. So you didn't have to put your weight in, but let's just say I estimated my weight and it was 15 pounds less than I had estimated. So <laughs> I have to go back onto that machine and change that number a little bit. Because I was going to say, if if it's a requirement to get on the scale, then I'm never fucking going there. Like, I just, I don't know how much I weigh and I am comfortable not knowing for now. And maybe someday that'll change. But for now, I, yeah, I'm totally comfortable. No, I wanted, I wanted to get in there and check it out because then I kind of knew where I was at compared to the other people that weigh currently what I weigh. So, um, Um, yeah. So, pull. One uh, well, our, I was just gonna say more of his personal life. Both of his houses are so fucking sick. Like, just that goes without saying. Um, if you could pick one, which which house did you like more, the England house or the the Orlando house? Uh, dude, I think the England house, man. I'm just so. I, I think it's just like a a fucking basically spoiled thing of living in America and thinking or thinking the grass is greener everywhere else. But like just looking at them in England, I'm like, Oh, that just looks so sick. And thinking of flying on the PJ, like those kids lives are just so different than how we grew up. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And that's, uh, I had that written down too. like them taking a, a private jet with the family all the way from Orlando to England. Like that must've cost 40, 50 K just in, in one fail swoop right there. So they clearly don't give a shit. Um, they have plenty of money, uh, but talk a little, I, I want to talk just a few minutes about Luke Poulter. Cause that dude looks like a baller and it, it's been kind of cool to follow. I followed Poulter on Twitter since 2012. Um, so Luke was seven years old at that point. And so from a distance, obviously I've watched Luke grow up where he was just this little kid could barely swing a club. Cause Ian always posted stuff about it. And now he's playing on the university of Florida's golf team. And just to have your dad, like following you around um, at like 
amateur events and stuff like that. And everybody knows who he is in the golf world has got to be like, there's a lot of pressure on Luke, but at the same time, like how cool is that? Your dad's Ian Poulter. Yeah. Your dad's never lost a Ryder cup singles match. That fucking blew my mind too. Like I knew he was good, but that's, that's like Jordan esque in that event. Yeah. Yeah, And And I I will be curious to see if he gets to captain it at some point and what that's going to look like. I bet he will. I don't know how they could keep him out. Um, it, he's just, like you said, he is kind of the goat of the Ryder cup. And I think it's gotten to the point where he's got such a reputation that uh, it's just kind of now, like anybody that faces him is going to know what, how good he is. And it's almost like a worked in thing where it's like, I'm not going to beat him where you mentally are like defeated just knowing you're playing him because that's how fucking good he is in match play. Um, and he's just super clutch. And that's that's where I feel like the difference lies a lot of the time between the European tour and the, the PGA tour is just so many of those guys grew up playing a match play format. And so many of us over here in America grew up playing stroke play. So, I mean, you know, stroke play, they play 99% of the time. But when it comes to the Ryder Cup, which is the biggest rivalry in golf, um, they've got the fucking Europeans seem to beat us two or three times out of four, you know, um, they just seem like they have the edge in us that way. So, uh, other quick little notes, um, Ian Poulter's shoe game is pretty dope. Like he's got some pretty sick Jordans. He's wearing like the high tops. I don't know if he's trying to fit in cause his kids are teenagers and he's trying to look cool. Um, his closet game is very strong. Yeah, his in closet's general. the size of a normal person's bedroom or probably bigger. Uh, yeah, the closet's crazy. Him walking into uh, the locker room at the fucking match play and Paul Casey goes, oh, I just withdrew. And I, it's, do you remember? I, I bet, bet on fucking Paul Casey. No, was or it, one it of was, us bet him. It was me yeah. that bet him. And I see that he fucking played like two holes of a match and withdrew. And I'm like, what the fuck? So that just like brought back those feelings. Um, and he said, cause it was of old age. I'm like, fuck you, dude. Uh, yeah. The other thing, like we talked about the cut, um, they, they've explained like what a cut is on the PJ tour, like four times every episode and how it's, they just make it sound like a super cutthroat, like fucking hardcore. Like you walk the plank. If you fucking, you know, if you're not in the top 65 <laughs> um, and that's just yeah. ironic now because they're going away from some of the events, even having a cut. Uh, so I thought that was funny. Um, other than that, what else you got? That's pretty much it, man. It was a, it was a good episode. Really excited to talk about episode four. Yeah. Yeah. Great episode. One other quick thing I got the press conference questions like the first live press conference were so fucked up, but so funny. Like, oh, yeah, well, it's it, yeah, we can get into the weeds on that. Also, shocking, you know, looking at Graham McDowell, Lee Westwood, like those guys that are kind of like you pick every major, they can win a PGA tournament any week and now they're gone. Uh, you kind of forget yeah. about them, like you don't think about them, but when then you see them and then realize they're on live. But yeah, those questions are like, what a fucking joke. And I love that Poulter's just like, no, I'm not answering that. Like, but if we all knew what all of our bosses that pay, our paychecks did shit that's part of the reason we left the course we fucking did yeah you know like for god's sakes like we we found out kind of what's going on and you're like oh okay well i'm out 
And that didn't include 81 murders. So, you know, none of that stuff is like, well, maybe, <laughs> but uh, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just, we might, we might cut that, but the uh, just the overarching idea that like you need to be invested in what you're in, you're getting a paycheck. It's it, to me that like Graham McDowell, I believe said, we're here for the golf. Yeah. That's all they're here for. Yeah. It's they're, not they're, the, if, you know, if they called it the Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabian golf league, maybe it's a little different, but it's the live tour. It's, it's completely, it's, it's, you know, I don't know. I sound probably sound stupid here to some people that are like, Oh, all this and that, like, you know, well, no, you I don't I, get into the, I, I totally it's agree. Not, like it's your job. You're making a paycheck to play 54 holes of golf every week. Shotgun start. Enjoy. Yeah. That's well, and they're paying you more. Well, and look now like the PGA tour, how crooked do you think they were where Jay Monahan last year was like, we don't have any extra money, this and that. Oh, all of a sudden they've come up with like an extra two or $300 million out of nowhere. Like they're not transparent about where their money comes from and their funding and their numbers either. Like, cause the PJ tour calls themselves a nonprofit, like give me a fucking break. Um, but just to like profits are all crooked as hell. Oh, exactly. We're, well, we're, I shouldn't actually, I shouldn't loop them all in together, but most of them are some, yeah, some are, some are, we've actually talked to Josh Cassidy, the long drive guy about possibly just doing an episode exposing all these golf charity fucking organizations that are so full of shit. Um, that would be a fun episode just to drop names of everyone. Um, but yeah, I, overall, it's just, I thought those questions were just like outrageous to actually hear. And I mean, I see both sides of it. Cause if you don't ask him that shit, it just makes it sound like the, the journalists are just laying down to like not asking him any hard hitting questions and, you know, not like holding their feet to the fire. But at the same time, it's like, you're really looping them in with like everything the Saudi Arabian government's ever done. You know what I mean? I just think that's, that was ridiculous. Yeah, it it's uh it's fun now looking back on it and seeing when this was all coming out and now having a doc on as it was coming out, like golf picked the perfect year to do this. And we're looking forward to recapping episode four and all the rest of them with you. You guys enjoy uh this weekend right now as you hear listening to this. The Arnold Palmer invitational is midway through. Uh looking for another, you know, big cut. Big cut on the weekend. You only get to play the weekend if there's 65, top 65, got to get cut, you know? Like, they just fucking, yeah. it was great. They have, like, eight different people define what making a cut is. I'm like, shut the fuck up. Yeah, that was good. So, all right, enjoy your weekend. Uh, we will talk to you guys next week with a special guest. Um, this guy may or may not have played some PGA Tour events. And we're going to have them on and that's going to release next week. So enjoy your weekend. Thanks for tuning in. Follow us on all the socials at big drive energy pod on Instagram at big drive energy on both TikTok and Twitter. We will talk to you then. Peace. Peace.